you know what I mean? I can't change the past. I can't change what happened. I can't change the nose or things that didn't work out, but I can't believe that the past is going to determine my present or my future. Mm-hmm. My power doesn't exist in the past to change something. My power exists in the present to overcome it. Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone. Sometimes I'm dining with friends. And sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Multi-hyphenate Ari Wiley-Sands is an author, speaker, actress, writer, and producer. She is the author of The Dunes, an inspirational faith-based book for personal growth, as well as the creator of the Dunes online companion course, Live More, Carry Less, where Erin uses her signature IRO method to help readers identify what's holding them back, recognize the root cause, and overcome it. Erin is also the writer-producer of the award-winning faith-based docudramedy STEM, which features true-life stories of faith in the midst of adversity and victory against all odds. STEM uses comedy and drama to tackle issues rarely given a voice, such as domestic violence, body shame, infertility, caring for a parent with Alzheimer's, the pain of divorce and aging. Erin considers herself a storyteller. She uses her gifts to tell stories that offer awareness, healing, and entertainment. Welcome back to Diversity Dish. I'm so happy you decided to join us again. My guest today is Erin Wiley-Sands. Hey, Erin, how are you? I'm great, and I'm so excited and happy to be here, Sadie. Thank you for having me. It is such a pleasure to have you here. I cannot wait to get into our conversation because I know it's going to be it's going to be a good meal for everyone to partake in. <laughs> But before we get into all of that, can you tell us what is it that you are most passionate about right now? Right now, the thing that uh, kind of gets me up in the morning, gets my juices flowing is uh, the online course I've created called Live More, Carry Less. Mm-hmm. And that is my passion right now because it's about women. And, and I feel like that in this season of my life with the lessons that I learned that I am it, it, it just makes me passionate and brings me joy to help women. And my course is about helping women release the fears and sort of the limited thinking that had been holding them back and sort of stepping into that um, gifted, loving, formidable, fully capable Wonder Woman that I believe has existed in all of us. And because I've had a season or several seasons where I uh, forgot my own self-worth and value and had to learn those lessons to rediscover who I am and to walk in confidence and peace that when you learn those things and you find out who you are and you see that other women are struggling with the same fears about questioning their own value, you want to teach the lessons you've learned to to share the things that um, have helped you get over that hurdle and to embrace yourself fully and be present and, 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 you know, uh, here for the glorious moment of your life. And so that really gives me joy because there's a lot of women right now struggling with certain fears and, um, 
I just love liberating people <laughs> because it felt so good when I got liberated. Yes, I love it. I love it, Ernest. And I can totally relate to what you're saying because mm-hmm. I too have gone through several, you know, iterations of myself, if, if right. you could say it that way. Right. And and what every time, like at this point in time right now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to help everyone discover that. Um, amazing human that they are, that amazing light that they have within. I want them to find it before they get diagnosed with cancer like I did. And then they have to question, you know, what they're doing, their, their, their life path. And, you know, without having to go through the, the trauma, but sometimes I think maybe a little bit of, of that is what pushes us to, to grow, right. A little bit of that makes it pain that leads us or sometimes the trauma or you know what I mean that makes us stop sometimes God has to shake you up yeah reset and cause you to look at the things and maybe the choices you've made or the people you're surrounding yourself with or the ways that you denied yourself I have a friend going through a divorce and I've been through a divorce and that's a time where you really reset because your heart is broken you're it's a time where you're kind of starting over and you look at maybe the mistakes you've made or ways that you've allowed people not to value you and the situations that you you have to take ownership of some of the things that you put yourself in and ask yourself the hard questions. Why, Mm -hmm. why did I let this happen? Or why did I let this person treat me like this? And then um, when you figure that out, you know what I mean? When you identify, I use um, what I use in my course called my IRO method, which means to identify the thing that's been holding you back, recognize the root cause, because until you pull something out by the root, it will continue to grow. And then just step out on faith and overcome it. And so I've had to kind of use that method on my own heart many times. Like I said, when I went through my divorce, I had to understand and identify why I had put myself in a situation. And we do things because we love, of course, we all love, but sometimes we, you know, put up with bad behavior. For a certain mm-hmm. reason, and it's because maybe deep down we don't know or believe that we deserve better. Yeah, we deserve to be treated with the love and respect that you know that we give. And so I had to look at myself and figure out what was going on with Aaron, and um, figure out what the root cause of that was. You know what I mean? Why I yeah. had allowed certain things and people to come into my life. And then when I figured that out, I had to kind of pull it out, right? Do right. That- and make a change so I can walk out in faith and achieve and have the the kind of relationships or manifest and bring those things into my life that I felt like were um, a truth of who I am and what I give or what I bring to the table. Right. Many times we as women, we forget what we bring to the table. We underestimate ourselves. Well, I think black women. Yes, especially. Yes. You know, but I think that sometimes that that's a product of how we've been socialized, right? We've been socialized to believe that we are not enough, that in order to become or be enough, we have to have children. In Mm -hmm. order to become or be enough, we have to find ourselves a man, okay? And that's, and, 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 and that being very heteronormative because what if that's not what we want? Exactly. That's not what we're attracted to. That's not how we're feeling. Yes. But if all those things don't fall into that nice, neat little package, that nice little box, then we feel that there is something wrong with us, something mm-hmm. wrong with the way that we do things, something wrong 
with the way that we show up in the world. And it's so sad because then it, it quashes or it squelches that light that we need to be shining into this world mm-hmm. because we are already enough without all the, without all the, the social structures that are put upon us. Yes, I agree. I remember I'm, I'm an actor and, um, uh, I'm over 40. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I had a lot of success in the nineties when I first got into the game and then things kind of slowed down for me and I began pursuing other things, writing, I wrote a book and, and just other things. And then I decided, you know what, I want to, I feel like I still have something to offer. I want to get back into the game and someone very close to me, because sometimes it's the people closest to us because we've all been indoctrinated. Yes lessons about the limitations of what you can and cannot do uh, as an African-American, as a woman, all of these things. So I told uh, someone very close to me, I said, you know, I feel like God has put on my heart. I still have something to share, something to give in this industry and I want to do it. And they said, well, you know, Aaron, you're, you're a woman, you're black and you're over 40. So things are probably not going to work out for you. Hmm. And they said that to me with like a straight face. Hmm. And I remember thinking, when they said that, I was just kind of looking at them and I thought, and they meant well, right? Sure. Because they're telling me statistically, these are the statistics. These are the facts, girl. It's probably not going to happen because Mm -hmm. you're black, you're a woman, you this age bracket, it's not going to happen for you. Mm -hmm. But I remember thinking that we black people, we've never been deterred by the facts or we wouldn't have overcome so many things. Okay, the facts of the situation, there's racism, there's this, but we always believed in the truth of who we are, the mm. truth of um, you know, who God created us to be. And so I knew that that person was telling me the facts of my situation, the statistical facts, but I was either going to listen to that or believe the truth of my inherent value, the truth of the gifts I've, God has given me. So if I still have a gift for this thing, then there must still be room for it in the world. And I have to believe that about myself. And I have to believe that I can do that and overcome at any age bracket that I am. So I just wrapped on, you know, a movie that I just, uh, my first horror movie that I did last week called Night Games. And so if I had listened to that person at that time who was delicately and gently trying to tell me the facts (laughs) of my life, that I, I wouldn't have, you know, taken that leap of faith and said, you know what? screw that. I think that there, I still have something to offer here. I still have something to give. And I just think that, you know, like you say, society is going to tell you one thing. I'm um, over forties and I didn't have a kid. I wanted to have children that didn't turn out for me. And so for a moment, I had time where I questioned my value as a woman, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Because we're told that after I got married, then I was supposed to have kids. And after, I mean, you know, before I got married, it was when are you going to get married? So then I got married. Yes. When are you going to have kids? And it's the thing. But that wasn't for me. You know, it didn't happen. I wanted it to. It didn't happen. But I still have value. I still have something to share and give. And I can't let these false expectations of me diminish the truth of who I am. Because if I do, then, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that road. <laughs> exactly. Nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. It's absolutely 100%. And I'm here to tell you that it's not too late. You over 40 is not too late. <laughs> it isn't, but if I that's what you want, it, if I never decided to do it, then that's okay too. If I right. never decided to get married, because I have girlfriend, a girlfriend who is 50 something 
and she's never been married. And you get to a place in your life where you get comfortable and you find your own value outside of society's, you know, false standard. Yes. Because it's always living up to it. There's always something that they're going to tell you. They're going to keep saying, you know, it's like the carrot you're following. Okay, right, because it's never good enough. Exactly. The never good enough carrot. Oh, you have to be this way. You're not this way in this size, but your hair has to look like this. But you, you know what I mean? And it goes on yes. and on and on teaching us not to love ourselves. And so right. I've just chosen to love myself and all my imperfections and all my stuff and believe that I'm enough. Yeah. That was, a journey. that was a journey to get there. Yes. And it is a journey. It is, it's always going to be a journey because, and it's always, it, and it's a constant learning situation because you're constantly going to, you're going to evolve, you're going to grow and you're going to have to decide, do I still like myself? Why not? Why? And yes, I do. And this is what I like. I mean, it's, it's a constant, you know, growth journey for sure. Yes. Yes. But, but absolutely. I totally understand that, you know, I remember having to talk to myself like out loud, literally after all my girlfriends had gotten married and telling myself, deprogramming and Mm -hmm. saying, there's nothing wrong with me that I'm not married. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm living my life. My life is good. My things are okay. When that person comes along, if they come along, I'm going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you know, I got, I got married at 34. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like, okay. And then when I got married, I was like, well, I'm not going to rush. If I'm meant to have kids, I will have kids. Right. When, when they come, you know, mm-hmm. when they're, when they come, mm-hmm. so I have my son 30, 30, almost 38, two weeks from my 38th birthday. And I have my daughter at 42. Mm-hmm. You know, these were not things that were planned or anything. It's mm-hmm. was if it's meant to, to happen and I leave myself open to the possibility that yes or no, we go one way, we go another, whatever happens, that's, that's what needed to happen. It was just like, we, you, we, we have to give ourselves permission to live yes. the lives that we are meant to, to live, yes. right? Yes. That we're, we're here for. And if we always, you know, st- statistically speaking, you know how you said that your friend was and I understand that they were being kind and they were trying to protect you. Right. Um, they, they were using their, uh, their protective mechanism for you, which right. is what mm-hmm. we tend to do. Mm-hmm. But if we think about it, the statistics happen because of actions that have taken place prior to that. Right. right? So mm-hmm. people in some way, shape or form decided that, if you're 40, over 40, or if you're black or black woman, or if you're this, then you're, you're not good enough. You're right. not what, right. what's needed. And so then the statistics show this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if you yourself decide, you know what, I'm going to challenge that. Right. And if someone who's meant to, to cast you decides, I'm going to challenge that. That's not necessary. That's when the statistics begin to change, right? They begin to alter. Hi, my name is Sidrola Maruska, and I'm a leadership coach. I give business leaders the confidence and tools to have conversations about equity and inclusion to improve culture, increase productivity, and decrease attrition. 
All this I do through my Leader Builder Coaching Program. If you'd like to know more, please go to diversitydish.com. Because it always takes somebody to step out and be that first person to make history. It took an Oprah to say, you know what? No black woman has never done this at this size or this, you know, whatever, or my background. But guess what? I believe that I can do it and I have what it takes. And of course, you're going to come up against challenges and obstacles because society is going to come at you with the, you're not supposed to, you're not enough. People aren't going to like this kind of movie. People aren't mm. going to like this kind of show. No one's going to watch you. But if you believe in yourself and know that in your heart that you've been called to a certain thing, which I feel like, like I said, with my course, Live More, Carry Less, I feel like I've been called to it, called to empower women, called to remind them of their value, called to tell them you can do the hard work, the soul work, and heal what's been hurt by society or past uh, life experience and go on to do great things. Like I said, Oprah, I mean, there's so many women in history, especially in our lineage as Black women. Oh, yeah. I mean, what Stacey Abrams is doing. They said it couldn't be done. How long mm. would Georgia Red? <laughs> and she said, but I don't think so. And she went out and did the work. You had to be willing to do the work. But she yeah, and, yes. and did the work and changed a red state blue. And nobody thought that that could be done before somebody does it. We all That's exactly that right. happened. And somebody, I'm sure, told her her facts and statistics too. Oh, girl, you can't do that. You know, they'll never vote this way. They'll never see it that way. But she knew that there were enough of us on the ground and if people believed that she could do a grassroots effort and turn that around. So I just believe that we have to make the decision that we're going to be the change maker in our own lives. You know what I mean? That you're not going to decide for me what mm -hmm. I can do. You're not mm -hmm. going to finish my story for me. I'm going to finish my story in faith. And like you said, and just be open to what God has. Like you didn't, you thought you were going to have kids. You didn't know, but then you had a kid at, you know, 42. And like you said, there's still time for me and it may be through adoption or whatever, but I'm open. I'm not closing the door saying it's too late. It can never happen. I'm open. I'm open to what God has for me and what life has for me, because I'm not going to believe or accept anybody's limitations for my life. That's right. Or yeah. put or accept anybody's trajectory for, for your yeah. life. Right. Yes. yes. So it's kind of like, well, this is where you need to go, or this is what you need to be doing because you are whatever box I want to put you into. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's where that, that goes. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be ready and willing to decide that. No, I, I wanted, I decided this. Yeah. This is yeah. what this is, is going to happen. And sometimes, you know, because like I said, we both, like you said, uh, you've had hard times. And sometimes that's hard where you're going through a, a season of disappointment, of mm -hmm. hurt, of loss. You know what I mean? And especially with the season that we're all kind of coming out of still in of COVID. There were business ventures and things that I lost out on. There were times where I felt kind of discouraged and like, I don't, you know, why am I even getting out of bed? Can't go nowhere. <laughs> I mean, you know, right. <laughs> there are times where that I would say the biggest obstacle sometimes have been for me have been thoughts that I've chosen to think about myself. You know what I mean? That thoughts where I've said, because it didn't work out in the past, maybe it, it won't work out in the future. So I don't want people to think that I was like, somebody said something to me and I was like, no, it, it's going to work out. <laughs> I did that, but there were still moments of self-doubt. There were still moments of, are they right? I mean, it isn't, you know, because as an actor, you get more rejection than you get, you know. Yes, there was all of those things. But for me, what I had to realize is that the past is what it is. 
You know what I mean? I can't change the past. I can't change what happened. I can't change the nose or things that didn't work out, but I can't believe that the past is going to determine my present or my future. Mm-hmm. My power doesn't exist in the past to change something. My power exists in the present to overcome it. To yes. Overcome it, to begin again, to start anew and to believe and go forward in faith. And there will be challenges and there will be setbacks, but I have to decide that those things aren't permanent for me and that I still have the strength to overcome them. You know what I mean? So I don't want anyone to think that I don't have disappointments or struggle with self-doubt. I still do, but I make a choice every day to say affirmations. Um, What I teach in my course is called mirror work and people think it's easy, but it's not to look yourself in the mirror in your own eyes and affirm yourself and affirm God's goodness in your life and affirm, you know, your, your qualities and your talents and your gifts. Some days I say it in the mirror with tears because I'm doubting. And some days I say it in the mirror with strength and confidence and you bad today. You about to get this. <laughs> you're good. You're all right. You know, it's just <laughs> on the kind of week I'm having, but I still say it. So I just want to encourage any, the women who um, are listening that some days you may say it with tears. Some days you may say it with confidence, but say it, continue to affirm who you are and what God has for you. Yes. Don't ever stay in that place where that, that, that place of, of, of doubt and, and pain. We all, we all have to go through it. I mean, I don't, you could take, you could take the, the, the most together person that you know, the person that you think has no issues, everything's going well for them. And there are things that are still um, hurtful to them, that they, that the pains that they've gone through, things that they've had to overcome, everyone, we are all human. So we are all living this human experience. And this human experience comes with pain or growth or, or not. It just depends on what you decide to do through, through that pain or, or, or what have you. So you're right. There's some days that I'm just, I, I, there are some days that I'm just like, you know what? I don't even, I don't feel like it. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Like I don't I'm feel like being an adult. I don't feel <laughs> like working. Right, I don't feel like dealing with none of it. I just yeah. don't feel like it. Right. I don't and, feel if like- <laughs> and if there's anything that going through cancer has taught me, it's that on those days, I have to give myself a lot of grace and yeah. just say, you know what? tomorrow's a new day just don't stay in that place don't don't wallow in that place if you're just if you feel yourself just pushing pushing really really hard and it's not feeling right for you step back give yourself space and grace and say what is it that's not feeling right where is it that I need to go maybe I should just need to be quiet and still and see what comes or see you know, see, see how I feel later on. But you know, we, we all have that, all those doubts. It's funny that you say that. Cause that is one of the, there's uh, seven revelations that I, I call them revelations that I go over in my course and it's fear, uh, commitment, forgiveness, trust, grace is the fifth surrender and gratitude. And when I teach on grace, it is about that. It's about giving yourself grace. It's about really accepting self-care. You know what I mean? As well as extending it to others. Yeah. Sometimes we don't give ourselves to grace to say, you know what, today you don't feel like it and get, that's okay too. That's okay too. 
to be quiet today. You know what I mean? To be, to just focus on you today. Maybe I don't, and sometimes that's hard if you're a wife and a mother and and you work in and are a single and you got so much going on to think, you know, I, I don't have five minutes where these kids aren't, you know, at me, but maybe when they go to sleep, go in the bathroom, stay up a little late and take a bath, whatever you can do to take some time to sew into you. Because when we're better and stronger and we take the time to say, it's okay, I don't need to be superwoman. Because I, you know, I don't think she exists and no woman can have everything at all times, but we can have good things in certain seasons, you know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. I I absolutely believe in taking rest, showing ourselves grace and taking time to restore and and, and heal, you know what I mean? do those things that we need to replenish ourselves so we actually have something to give. Because if you don't, I mean, what do you, you'll be depleted. Right. Society and and family and life and and responsibilities will push you every which way. And then, like you say, you can create things in your body that, you know what I mean, cause sickness and, and other things. But when you come through something like you've done and, you know, that that's just a miracle and, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. And you need to take the time after you've been through that and know that some days you need to say, hey, I'm going to take a break. I'm tired today. I'm going to rest and I'm going to replenish myself because I'm worth it. I'm worth taking that time. Yes. And I think as Black women, I mean, women have it have have more on them to begin with, right? We've got, we've got a lot going on. Absolutely. But as Black women, we have a... a we have more things put on us in that there's so many mixed messages that we get. You know, you're supposed to be the strong black woman, but oh my God, don't be the angry black woman. Right. You're supposed to be um, uh, really good at what you do, but really, are you really good at what you do or is it just affirmative action? I mean, there's so many things that we're thinking about a lot of the time where we feel like we have to prove ourselves. And I think I was talking to someone else about how we're expected to know things and not ask questions. And if we ask questions, then we're seen as incompetent, whereas other people can ask questions and be seen as simply asking a question, right? And that in and of itself, some people just wouldn't even fathom that that would be the case, but it's what it is to be us. Right. You know? And so we have, and, and so again, there, I give myself grace. I'm like, you know what? You don't have all the answers. You don't know everything. Mm -hmm. It's okay to ask questions and whatever they're thinking in their mind, is none of your damn business. That's their business, not yours. And you cannot live up to that. Right. Right. So you can't control other people's thoughts or their ignorance because that's just their limited thinking and their ignorance. I can't control that. I do exist in a society where, like you say, that is because if I'm strong or if I say something firmly, I'm perceived as angry if I'm a black woman or if I walk into a store with a different a certain hairstyle that I'm perceived as a threat or suspicion, you know, we right. stuff, but I can't live my life. I mean, I have to deal with it, but I can't live my life so much that I'm always thinking about what you think too. So now I'm responsible for not only my own thoughts, I'm responsible for yours too. And making you feel comfortable with my very presence. Right. 
I'm not doing that. I mean, you know what I mean? We do that, but I'm not doing that anymore. I had to make a decision that if you were going to be afraid of me, then fine, you can be afraid of me, but I'm going to walk through this store and get what I need and go to the counter and check out. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I'm not responsible for your ignorance or your fear. And I don't have to make you feel good about me 24 seven. Now we have learned as black people, my mother told me this all the time growing up, you have to be better than them. You have to be, because I was in gymnastics, I was in dance, I was, you can't go in being just good enough. You have to be better to even be in the room. And so there was a, a standard of excellence and that, and actually I appreciated that because it made me work harder, but we've all been taught that as black you know, kids growing up, you have to be better because you can't be average or you won't even get in the room. You won't get that seat at the table. But as an adult now and a grown woman myself, I've decided that I've just made the decision that it's not my job to make you feel comfortable with my blackness, with my presence, to explain myself. So you feel safe now. You know what I mean? I'm going to be who God created me to be. I'm going to be a bright light. And you're going to deal with that or you're not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And it's sad because we also live in a culture that many times, you know, our lives are in danger because of somebody's fear, because of somebody's ignorance. But that isn't, we can't shrink, you know what I mean? And not live because then we're not fully living. So we're always walking a tightrope as Black people, but especially as Black women, because Black women have been sort of the mules of this country where we've taken mm. on burden of everybody else, black men, black, I mean, white women, white men, I mean, everything. And we've carried it on our backs, you know what I mean? And made everybody okay. But it's time for us to stop making sure everybody else is okay and make sure we're okay and be who we need to be for ourselves and not for other people. And I'm not saying that in a selfish way to stop giving and stop being loving and, and all the things that we are, but I'm saying to not feel like we have to make other people comfortable. You know what yeah, I mean? Not, not feel like we owe them anything. Yes. Like we don't owe anybody anything. We don't owe them, you know, their comfort. That's, right. that's on them. We don't owe them. We don't owe them explanations for exactly. why we do things because, you know, if I look back and if I'm honest, there are times when I've over explained myself. We've all done it. Right? Or where <laughs> I, you know, or where I felt like I needed mm -hmm. to justify mm -hmm. myself or how I look or what I'm doing or how I'm, you know, and and we don't owe that to anybody. Because I don't see anybody coming to do that for, for us. us. No one does that for us. We're just, <laughs> just expected to be the gentle encyclopedia Britannica where I explain and help you with black culture and black things because you're wondering or you're, I remember one time it was right before COVID and I um, had my hair in, I think passion twists and, you know, and, and I've noticed too, when I put my hair in a more Afrocentric style, then I get in. It's nothing against white people, but I get white people coming up to me wanting to touch my hair or do, you know, what the hell is, so I'm sitting there at a restaurant and I'm eating and this older white woman comes to me out of nowhere and she's like, you know, I always figured it must be so hard being a black woman with all you guys have to do with your hair. Well, and I remember, yeah, I can't make this up. <laughs> so I'm sitting there eating my breakfast, like, 
really? So I'm in my mind, like, really, Lord? So today I have to have this conversation. Right. How about I just want to eat my bacon and eggs? How about I don't want to, you know, explain to you black culture and black hair today? But in all of your privilege, you've thought that you should come over here and I should have this conversation with you. Okay, so here we go. But and I actually, it inspired a blog I wrote called The Root Cause, and it was the journey of us Black women and our hair. So she actually, you know, I, I used that situation. And I did explain some to her, but um, I also didn't feel like I had to make her feel safe about it, make her understand complete Black culture, because there's this whole thing exists called Google, and you can go on it, <laughs> Google <laughs> braids and find out about my history. Like I had to learn yours in school and we can all be good. But I did um, appreciate her wanting to understand. So mm -hmm. I explained some, but I didn't feel like I had to make her feel safe. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like I'm going to share with you what you want to know, uh, some of what you want to know or what I feel comfortable with sharing you in this moment. And I did, and she thanked me and went away, but I didn't feel like I had to over explain or over make her feel safe or, or even make her feel comfortable with her hair choices or, you know what I'm saying? I told mm -hmm. her, I love this. This is a part of my culture. And, you know, I, I choose different styles at different times. That's it. Everything else you can learn. And it's not a, and it's not a burden. <laughs> yes. And, and it is not a burden. It's a joy. But, but, you know, in this country, you guys have made it a bit of a burden because the right. hairstyle can dictate whether or not a kid gets to graduate from school, whether or not I get hired. There are a lot of things that comes with black hair, but because of your fear and because of your ignorance. So I did take the time to teach her some, but I didn't feel obligated to make her feel good about it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a difference. Yes. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I think, you know, I think that, that it takes, it takes, I, I think it takes grace to, to, to simply be a, a black woman or a woman of color in this yeah. country, because, because the amount of stuff that we see, we experience, we go through as black women or even women of color is I mean, when I consider the, the alternate, like if it were an alternate universe. I play with that in my mind all the time. <laughs> you have those fantasies too? <laughs> I always play with that in my mind. Like I thought I was the only one. <laughs> I always so, think to myself, if this were, right? if this were an alternate universe. If women were all in leadership. And what if it was all just, yeah. I think. Yes. Or, you know, and if we would go to them and be like, and say some of the things that, that we hear or that we get told, said to us, or the, the things that happen. You wonder, would you be able to handle that with the grace that we do, you know, in knowing? Because, you know, we're going back to what you said before, is that we've been the, 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 mule basically mm -hmm. for everyone in mm -hmm. this country so i'm haitian american so i'm not i'm not i was born here mm -hmm. i was born here and so but my ancestry is from haiti mm -hmm. but when you consider just as enslaved people right living and having to feed and having to be the, the, the cow for the babies, right? Having to deliver the babies, then having to 
feed the families and having to take care of those kids, raise those kids, raise those children to not still not have respect for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like you're that that mule, that person, mm-hmm. that 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 person that survived through all of that and still was able to maintain a family and who has always worked, right? Who has always worked side by side in the fields, right? Side by side, wherever you work, has always worked, has always been that. And and so of course that they they say, oh, the strong black woman, because mm-hmm. you've always been. well, a lot of that was thrust upon. <laughs> exactly. That was thrust upon. <laughs> we were we didn't have a choice because our men you know what I mean? Even it, you, we had a society where it was easy. We were more accepted so we could go out and make an income where our men couldn't, you know what I mean? So we began to carry, you know, two loads. We became the head of the house. And I don't mind that. I believe that there are two heads of the house, but that's mm-hmm. another time. Right. But <laughs> there were things we had to take on, you know what I mean? That, um, like you said, we're raising other people's kids. We're raising our own. And so this is what I love about us as women, that we are resilient, that we are, not that we should have ever had to carry that, but that we carried it with grace and, and beauty and, and sophistication and elegance. You know what I mean? And, 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 and look at us now. Look at us now. When I look at a Stacey Abrams, who I love, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, who's so educated and 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 wonderful and forthright, and and her love for community, and and actually she saved this country. She and okay. others never do it by herself. She and others, all of us who who joined with her in that plight, saved this country from itself. But black women have been doing that. We've been the conscious and the and the moral center for this country since its inception, since mm. we were, you know, kidnapped and brought here. So, and, ensla- and, and enslaved in this country, we've been the moral center. We've been the people who have kind of helped them get back and save them from themselves. And so we carried a heavy burden. That's why I said we've been the mules, not that we are, but we have carried a burden, yeah. the mules of this country. And so speaking in grace, like you said, that's why we need to give ourselves a break and give ourselves uh, the permission to do self-care. And then also recognize how great we are and that we have been doing all of these things. And and we've been doing them in in a culture that says we're not beautiful, right? And yet Mm. you get other people to get our aesthetics, right? They get the lips and and all the stuff, but they don't want us. They just want to look like us, but we're not enough. You know what I mean? We're constantly being told these ridiculous lies that are so hypocritical and apparent. And yet we've learned to thrive in spite of that and love ourselves and love our hair and all of its different textures and our skin and all of its different tones and our lips and our hips and our, you know, all of our things, all of our unique things that make us us. And so I love that I'm very proud to be an African-American woman because we're overcomers, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I don't know any, anybody else in history who's done it like us, you know, and still been great and gracious, like you said, gracious and loving and forgiving and still wanting to help other people and, and thrive. So I, I love being, <laughs> and, I'm yeah. and I'm very proud of that. Yeah, I'm yeah, I have to agree with you. I'm very proud of that myself. I'm just, you know, I'm really proud 
of, and I'm proud because I also have very strong matriarchs in my family, right? And I think that that's something that we we tend to have, or we have matriarch figures, Mm -hmm. you know, around us in our communities, women who hold their heads up high and who pass on the strength that, or the quiet strength or the loud strength, whatever the strength is, you know, they pass that on, you know, with fervor and, you know, such just, it's just so, you know, when I look at my matriarchs, my mom's sisters, all my aunts and friends as well, I just go, it's just amazing to me. And if I could be half that, if I am half that, I am incredibly proud of that half that I am, right? A docu-series, I believe it was on Netflix, and I hope I'm getting the name right. I think it was called In Search of Our Mother's Gardens. Mm. And it, it and it just profiled African-American women and, and grandmothers and older women, you know, just the generations and the things we've been through. Like, it, it's basically a documentary about everything we've talked about, the things and the hurts and the hurdles, and yet the victories and the beauty and the things we pass on from generation to generation. It was beautiful. It was one of those things we were sitting, I watched it with my mom and my aunt and we were sitting there crying like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. But you know, it makes you proud, makes you angry, it makes you relate. You go through, you know, just a bunch of emotions, but I I believe it was on Netflix in search of our mother's gardens. It was very good. Yeah. Everything that we're talking about now. I love that. Isn't it, isn't it incredible that when we watch something that is about us or for us or um, that portrays us, how much deeper it hits than when we're watching stuff that's just been made, just has always been made the way Mm -hmm. it's been made. Mm -hmm. I find it to be so incredibly moving because especially, you know, when my daughter goes, oh, mommy, her hair is just like mine. And yes. she's watching and I'm like, yes. And I said, yes, she's got some beautiful curls. And she said, yes. yes. And she loves her curls. And I'm like, I swear, when my daughter was born, I said to myself, I said, if this girl can just love her hair, mm. I will have done, I, I, I will be good. <laughs> and, and that's why I wrote that blog, The Root Cause, because there's such a journey tied to our beauty and our hair. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's such a journey for Black women. I mean, we all have stories about hair and coming to our own with our hair. I remember when I was in fourth grade and one of my best girlfriends was white and she, I lived in Oakland, California, and she was touching my hair and she was like, oh, it's so soft. At, th- at fourth grade, I didn't know, you know, and I, I, what happened was I went to spend a night over her house. And so she went to take a shower and, and then I went to take a shower and she was like, you're not going to wash your hair? And I was like, no. <laughs> she was like, what do you mean? Well, when do you wash your hair? And I was like, uh, my mom watches it maybe every two weeks, once every, and that shocked her. She yeah. could not believe that I didn't wash my hair every single night like her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I was shocked that she washed her hair every single every- night. I mean, it was like, kind of like, but, and she was like, well, but how do you do it? And I was like, 
when we wash my hair, it's a whole ordeal. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, you know, I come from the Midwest where grandma have you in the kitchen, you lean over the, you know, the kitchen sink and she would wash our hair that way. And then she would sit us in the, on the thing with a hot comb. I mean, you know, there was a whole big production. And then the older I got, my mom was like, well, I don't want to put chemicals or anything in your hair. We, I mean, but it was still black hair was just more than that. We just, and then our hair, texture you just we it's not good for us to you know back then too with all the sulfates and all the stuff that they were putting in it in the stuff we can't put that on our hair all the time it strips it of its natural right things that it needs to grow and and so she couldn't understand that I was nine so I didn't fully understand it all I knew was that I can't wash my hair every night like you that's just not what we do in my household but as you grow and right. you, you know you and then when I became an actor and being on set and of course they're not because you know it's not ready is everywhere so you get on a set and you have the makeup artist and the hair person are white people it's changing thank god and there are more of us in different places so this is wonderful but in the 90s there weren't and so i literally have a, a makeup or, or a hair person kind of touch my head like what am i supposed to do with this mm. and my hair is straighter than most and still they were like, what, I, I don't know how to, you know what I mean? I had people, like, I remember there was a scene and she was wanted some different kind of look. So she sprayed water in my hair, not knowing that, okay, you spray, now I'm going to have an Afro. And so <laughs> like, you know what I mean? She thought, oh, I'm going to spray water like a, a white woman. Maybe it'll go. No, that made my hair go. And now, you know, I have this. <laughs> fro for you but you didn't know that going in so she was like oh I didn't know this would happen well I could have told you so that was all but there was still a feeling of you wanted things to look like they needed it to look so you could be acceptable in that moment mm -hmm. so I had to come you know come of age and 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 like I said love myself love my hair love the unique things that it did but that's still a journey and they mm -hmm. don't know that journey because they don't go through that journey because everything's set up for them. For Even them. The human brush we use was, was set up for their hair, not yep. ours. You know what I mean? And that's why we began doing all of those things and, and putting all of those chemicals and that are, were harmful to our hair to accommodate what we were given in their culture. Now, mm -hmm. you know, we're all used to the common brush. We use it now and, and it's fine, but I'm, they don't understand that journey the things that we've gone through as black women, simply to love what God gave us naturally. Mm -hmm. God gave me this hair. Why wouldn't I love it? But you've taught me to hate it. And so now I have to reteach myself to love it. You know what I mean? And we do that. And we have to do that with almost every part of ourselves. And lucky you are a wonderful mother. And I had a wonderful mother who bought me black dolls and you know what I mean? Made sure that I knew that what God created me and gave me was beautiful. And even though I was learning that in the house and not seeing it in the world, so I had to, you know, find the balance. And as I got older, because she gave me that foundation, learn those lessons and love myself. And now, like I said, I teach other people. So <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's true. It's the journey. The journey is so different and it's unfathomable. Yeah for um, white women in so many ways, how uh, we have to, we have to constantly remind ourselves that we are enough and that we do love the way that we look. And mm -hmm. we do love, um, we love our, you know, when I was younger, I was skinny. I was, I was 95 pounds. 
Mm. And even with all of the outside messaging, I did not like that because I wanted to be like my mom and my aunts and, Mm -hmm. you know, curvy and bigger Mm -hmm. and, you know, and so I had, that was, that for me was more. So even though I had the skinny, like I was like 90, 95 pounds, that skinny, skinny body that was supposed to be acceptable. Mm -hmm. Thankfully to me, it wasn't that wasn't necessarily what I needed to be. I was just like, well, this is where I am. This is who I am, but I'm not just trying to be here. And, you know, literally I went into the gym and I was like, I need to do something. Mm -hmm. And so I built some muscle and gained some weight and, and, and ultimately gained those curves that I so much wanted because I knew that that was more of more appealing and more interesting within my culture, within Right. you know, my surround, but it's, you know, I mean, they're just, there are, there are so many things, you know, I'm, I'm working on this, uh, a, a program myself that is geared to helping people use their um, passions and purpose within social justice. Mm-hmm. And the reason I choose that is because People think that they have to go out and they have to march or they have to do, you know, they have to do something that has nothing to do with, with, with who they are, how, what they think, what they feel or anything to affect change within, you know, social justice or within this world. When the reality is, if you look at every slice of life, every aspect of life within this country, there is room for improvement and social justice. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is that is your passion or that you are really good at, whatever is your, 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 um, uh, your strength, whatever your strength is, that can be used to make a difference within, you know, social okay. justice. I'm, gonna um, speak to, I'm sorry, go on. No, go ahead. I want to speak to both things you said, because you made two really great points. The first one about, you know, body uh, <clears throat> size and, sh- and, and body shame and, and different things. I think that that one absolutely indicative of, of things that we go through as black women. But I think that one, you know, is blanketed for all women because mm-hmm. you have women who have a certain thing that society might say is good, but they secretly don't like it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They have like, uh, even me, I'm like top heavy. <clears throat> and I, I don't, I, you know, I've learned to, like I said, love and appreciate all of me but I'd rather be smaller. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd like to be small. There are things, and and my friends tease me, there are women who pay to get, but yeah, but it's a load to carry. It's a load to carry around. And, but you hear that it's the thing or in our community, you know, having an ample, you know, bottom bottom like, there are certain people like I have a girlfriend, she built like a Coke bottle. I mean, she's small and then the big, and she, gets tired. She's like, I wish my butt wasn't so big. I wish I was smart. I mean, women, we do that. And I think that is in every race and culture, mm-hmm. we judge ourselves and decide that we don't like this or, or this is not good enough or, you know what I mean? So I love that you found mm-hmm. peace with, mm-hmm. you know, what, whatever it is, how you want your body to look. And, and certain times it's not going to change and we just have to find, mm-hmm. appreciate, you know, what we have and what got, so 
in terms of getting peace about my breast size, it was like, I thank God that they're healthy. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with, you know, um, breast cancer and other things. So I thank God that <laughs> maybe not the size, but they're healthy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to criticize myself and I'm just going to thank you that they're healthy today and, 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 and trust you and believe you that this is this, the size and the shape that I am. And this is enough. And in terms of social justice, I, um, the blog that I told you about, I wrote because I'm a po- political blogger. Mm-hmm. So you're right. We all have our unique gifts in different ways, whether if you're an artist mm-hmm. and you do a painting, that can be something, that painting can be a statement that can show equity because as much as I believe in our own empowerment as Black people and Black women, I believe in equity for everybody. We should all have equal rights. Nobody should be limited. And we should all be able to bring our our gifts and and attributes to the table and and work to make this country better. And I believe that forward movement happens when we all come together and do that. But if you're not the person who's out marching, because I'm I'm that chick, I'm, <laughs> I'll be out marching. But all my friends aren't. You know what I mean? They write. Are they artists? Are they are raising a daughter like you said to be proud of herself and love herself? That is affecting change. One little girl who says I'm beautiful and I love my curls and my skin and my everything and my culture is going to change and make change to other children that she meets and in the world. So we mm-hmm. all have a part in the way that we can. Mm-hmm. Just do it in the way that you can. So I love what you're creating. Mm-hmm. Tell me when you're done. I'll tell people to sign up. <laughs> I think that that is so awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right. Do whatever, wherever you are, there is something that you can do to affect that change, right? Mm -hmm. And I always think about artists as well, not just within the art, but in the art world. How can you change how people perceive art that is from from different uh, ethnic groups? Right. Right. How, How can you change the ways that art shows are done Mm -hmm. is it possible to integrate them just like you integrate society can we just say we're having an art show and these are the three people or four people who are showing and it could be a native person a black person a white person and a and a hispanic person and they all come with their different flavors and oh my god wouldn't that's that be an amazing show? Oh my God, I love that. That's when it's beautiful because I want to hear, I want to see what maybe Swedish or Italian people, and I want to see what El Salvadorian and Mexican and Puerto Rican and, you know, Haitian yes. and African American. And you know what? I, I want to see all of our culture and all everybody's because there's something to learn. I love Asian American culture, yes. Filipino or Chinese or Jack. I mean, you know what I mean? Everybody has something to give and to show. And wouldn't it be great if we could just celebrate everybody's thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And learn from everybody's thing and everybody's, you know, equitable and we come and we appreciate what everybody has to offer. That's the right. one. Yes. That's, yes. that's, that's the dream, right? <laughs> that's the dream. That's the dream. That's Somebody the dream. talked about that. Who was he? Hmm. But yes, yes. That's the dream. That's the dream. Right. And, and in that dream, we don't diminish people mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason. In that dream, everyone simply has the opportunity to be fully themselves. Mm-hmm. So no one has to feel that they have to change up who they are, exactly. whatever that may be, mm-hmm. in order to fit into this society, right? Right. Exactly. The way that we are right now, that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. People have to switch it up or you have to 
play the game or you have to, you know, make the right contacts and make sure that you're impressing them enough mm-hmm. in order for them to put you forward. Well, what right. if, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, what if you, we, it was just that people um, spent their privilege to help other people reach right. those same, those same places, right? <laughs> if you're in a room, you happen to be in a room and you don't see anybody else that looks like you in that room and they're asking a question you say well i know this person this person this person who could do that job say people's names in rooms right help people find their way as well it's just you know so i think that if people and 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 you know this especially for for white people but for all people if you could find where your strengths lie and you can and you can intersect that with your passion and decide which where you want to go with that in the work of social justice it is mm-hmm. possible and it makes it more fun mm-hmm. it makes it more engaging for you therefore you're yeah. going to be more passionate about it you're going to be really invested in it versus feeling like oh, it's drudgery, it's something additional, and I can't, you know, I don't really, uh, right? Yeah, I just, I, I, the, to me, the, the amount of hubris it takes to be in a room, say you're in a room, and it's us, and it, even if it's a room full of uh, Black women, and we're trying to plan policy or stuff for people who are hearing impaired, and we don't take right. the time to invite somebody hearing impaired or two people in the room to find out what does your community need? What actually would benefit here? That to me is crazy that yes. they've done that for years about they'll make policy or laws or things that determine our lives without any of us in the room to say, hey, uh, let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you how that's a problem. Yeah, exactly. On this and tell you what I really need. I would never think that I would know what the Asian community needs, what the Latin uh, X community needs, because I'm not a member of that community. So I would call on them, come in, tell me what you need, be a part of this discussion so we can get everybody's needs met. So yes, everybody should have a seat at the table. And those of us who are in positions that are making decisions about other people's lives and they don't have a seat, we should use our privilege, our, our position because maybe whatever it is to mm-hmm. invite those other people to have a seat at the table too, to expand. You're only going to expand your audience when you do that. You're only going to expand yourself, your heart, your mind, your everything. So there's only good when that comes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have been talking for a while. Okay. Now. <laughs> I'm happy to have been a part of your show. It's been a yes. pleasure. So is there anything in particular, like anything that you have coming up, anything about your business or whatever that you would like to bring forth or anything that we haven't talked about that you might want to share with the audience right now? Sure. Um, I've talked about my course, Live More, Carry Less, but I'd, I'd love it if people would um, hop on the website. It's I'm going to definitely put it in the show notes. So you are covered. Awesome. And um, be a part of the group and take the journey. Um if you want to find out more about me personally, I'm at AaronWileySands.com, and that that involves me as an actor and me as a, a political blogger. You can t- check out my blogs or find out um, the movies or anything like that that I have coming up. So nice. That's I love it. I love it that you. What's that? I said that's how you find out about me. But go on. <laughs> I love it. 
Well, I love it that you just, you know, you just out here doing your thing, helping other people, living your life, living your best life, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's amazing. And it's, it's just wonderful. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. But before I let you go, because I can't let you go without asking my signature question, which everybody is waiting for, I'm sure. (laughs) Everybody wants to know, what is your favorite dish? Ah, my favorite dish. And I can't do, because you get to a certain age and you just can't eat like this all the time. (laughs) But if you were to lock me in a room and say you can only have one food for the rest of your life, if it was warm bread and butter, I'd be like, yes. (laughs) Pretzel bread, I, it, it may not be sexy to some folks, but you give me any type of sourdough bread and just a, a big thing of butter and bread and you heat that bad boy up, I'll be like, I'm good. You can leave now. You're set to go. <laughs> I love it. I can't do that because I want to keep fitting into my clothes. <laughs> I, that's, my, that's my weak spot, bread. Bread and butter, heated bread and butter. Like I said, it may not be sexy. Oh, that's boring. That's fine. Give it to all to me. That's <laughs> right. No, that's that's <laughs> your favorite, and that is is good for me. I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Erin, for being here with me. And thank you so much for the insights that you've shared. I think um, just awesome. Thank you for having me. I've had a bunch of fun talking with you and your audience. Thank you so much. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please leave a review. It would mean the world, but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it. In which case... It would be awesome if you help support my work over at patreon.com backslash Cedrola Maruska. And finally, before you go, don't forget diversitydish.com. I'd love to work with you. See you soon.